What's up, everybody? Ryan Alter here back for episode four, as promised, uh, for free agency period, sports talk, unfiltered, unapologetic. And uh, let's not waste any time. Let's just dive right into it. Ton of action the last couple of days, um, as we kind of knew would happen. Um, Nick Foles, that's, I'll start off with that one. That's the easiest prediction. Everybody kind of knew it was coming. Uh, the Jacksonville, four years, 88 million. That was a little bit of a shocker. The amount of money he got at 22 per year. I personally don't have an issue with that. I wasn't surprised. I think your starting quarterback, if they have any value, is going to make probably 20 and up. So a lot of people are, are giving the Jags a little grief for not saving a few bucks because of the fact that they didn't think there was a market for Foles. Uh, but you never know if Washington uh, doesn't make that trade. And there's a f- few other teams out there that could have easily made a move on him. So I don't think, you know, it's the end of the world. Jackson paid $22 million for him. I think that Foles is a guy that's great in the locker room. He's a leader, likable guy. Um, everyone saw what he did in Philly this playoff run and all through last year. So people definitely believe in him. I don't know if he has the correct supporting cast around him for that team to make that leap back into the playoffs and into that AFC title mix, but we're going to find out soon enough. So a bunch of other stuff here, Tyron Matthew, Matthew, the honey badger. So I thought that Kansas city getting him was, was a huge get for them. Now they've obviously followed up with trading D Ford uh, to the Niners, which we'll get into in a minute. They're letting Justin Houston walk. Um, That defense is kind of not that good to begin with, even though they, led the league in sacks last year, which is kind of a mirage because they still were, I think were 32nd in points and yards allowed. Um, and, and letting go of two, your two best pass rushers uh, leaves them with basically Chris Jones and a bunch of nobody. So getting math out was huge for them um, just because to me, he was the top safety on the market. I know a lot of people are saying Earl Thomas is, but Thomas to me is 30 years old. Uh, coming off a, a major injury where he shattered his leg. He was injured the year before that too. So although Thomas is the most proven player and a great playmaker, I just don't know how dependable he is, especially at 30, which is a reason I think that he's actually still sitting right now. I think his market is probably not what him and his agent were hoping. And we're going to see what happens with him. He's pretty much the biggest guy left right now. As um, a few minutes ago, Le'Veon Bell uh, just signed with the Jets, and he went for four years, $52 million. So what you're going to hear in the next couple of days is people breaking that down. Bell held out last year for Pittsburgh with 15 mil on the table. A lot of people are saying, well, that was a big mistake uh, because he could have had that $15 million. He never is going to make that back. Well, who knows? He plays on that one-year deal. Maybe he gets hurt, and he doesn't get a deal this year. So he's a year rested. He's still getting 52. I don't know how much of this is guaranteed. People are talking about somewhere around $30 million. And he's making 13 a year, which is less than he was holding out for and thinking he would get. I think the writing was a little bit on the wall with him. Once he hit that open market um, after Pittsburgh kind of just let him walk, basically kind of knowing that he was a little bit um, down on the totem pole, so to speak, or on the wanted list because of the holdout. Um, and the fact that he's a year older. Well, he's also a year rested, too, so he doesn't have that wear and tear on his body all from last year. I'm guaranteeing you he's still in tremendous shape, but it'll be you know left to be determined how he does in, uh, in New York. 
I think the whole thing earlier in the day with Anthony Barr bailing on them and going back to Minnesota enabled the Jets to kind of make this play for for Bell. Um, Another thing I wanted to bring up is you saw Bell rumored to a couple teams. I don't think the Ravens were ever in it. I think this is pretty much a Jets, maybe Raiders, maybe one other team that, that we're not hearing about that probably wasn't a serious thing. The Raiders thing is interesting because they have the cap space to sign him. But just like I mentioned before in an earlier pod where they weren't able to bring in Khalil Mack long-term, I think that in real cash, uh, their owner, Mark Davis, is lacking that um, ability to get some of these guys under contract on top of already paying Gruden and then they broke off Anthony, uh, I'm sorry, Antonio Brown, what they did. I think it's a struggle here for them to bring in a guy also like Bell because they're going to be strap cash, which kind of sucks a little bit for that, you know, fan base and, and those around that organization and locker room, because you got that cap space, man, you can bring in a player of, of Bell's caliber and pair him with Antonio Brown and, and Gruden's play calling and whatever the optimism would be there. So uh, kudos to the jets for getting that done, especially after losing bar in the manner they did. Uh, linebacker C.J. Mosley, that's another guy the Jets got. Now, listen, a lot of people thought Mosley was the best inside backer going into free agency, including myself. Um, but looking deeper into it, you know, he he's getting defensive lineman um, type money here, $17 million a year, uh, like an $85 million contract, five years, $17 million a year. That That's insane. I think that Mosley isn't the best cover guy also, which is – where the game is kind of heading. That's why you see these linebackers show up to Indy now every year out of college. They're the prototype backer is probably about 220 to 230, 35 pounds. They're smaller now there. You don't really see the 250 pound um, guys in there unless they can just absolutely fly. So you're, you need your inside backer to be able to cover running backs out of the backfield, tight ends, all kinds of different passing routes and, and be, versatile in that aspect or they're coming off the field on third down now i'm not paying cj mosley 17 million a year just to sit on third down so uh, we got some other guys here as i said earlier anthony barr he kind of shunned the jets after telling him he's gonna go there he got cold feet went back um eric weddle uh the 34 year old safety from baltimore who used to play for the chargers for years uh, ended up signing with the rams so the Rams got a decent little get there, but the problem is they gave Weddle $14 million. Uh, that to me is insane, right? You can't pay a guy uh, at that point in his career that that type of money unless you think that that was his market. And I just have a hard time believing that that's the case. So uh, another deal that, that really was huge um, for the Rams – in that, though, is at least they landed him, and because they had lost Joyner, they're losing in Dominic Sue. And, um, you know, they're scrambling a little bit, in my opinion. It's not getting talked about that much, but especially if Gurley's out for them, that changes the whole dynamic of that team. So I think they're just trying to get some bodies in there because they're going to be losing a bunch of them. And uh, it, we'll see how that all irons itself out. Niners signed linebacker Quan Alexander, four years, $52 million. I see a lot of fellow Niner fans kind of ripping on the amount of money they gave Quan, and probably because he had a torn ACL last year, which there is obviously some risk in that. But when Alexander plays, he's all over the field. He's also four months younger than Reuben Foster, which a lot of people don't know. So 
Um, you know, if he comes back and he's nice and healthy this year, even if it doesn't end up being a good signing, Parag Marate is a very good cap guy that the Niners have had for over a decade now. And they have an out after the second year of that contract where they can basically take a $3 million hit and be done with it after paying him about $27 million. So that's not the end of the world. Contracts are never what they seem. It's always a matter of how much guaranteed money these guys get that makes the huge big difference. It's not the number you see on SportsCenter or on Twitter or on the ticker. My um, Miami re-signed Devontae Parker, two years, $13 million. I think that was smart of them. I think Parker's a underutilized, big, uh, good receiver. Another reason why, going back to the Raiders, why they didn't have the ability to get Bell in there is because they broke off Trent Brown. Now, Trent Brown, when you look at like his PFF grade, is a lot lower. But Brown's a young player. He's extremely athletic and strong. Um, and I think that he's a good football player. Now, he has issues with certain things. Like the guy flat out said in an interview, he doesn't do film study, which I find to be kind of a joke being you're getting paid 10 million plus or whatever the number he is he's even getting from the Raiders. And uh, even in New England last year, I found it kind of laughable that Belichick or somebody else didn't sniff that actually out. But I think he's been getting by just on his athletic ability and um, other stuff. And and it's probably something that if if he put the time in the film room, he'd probably be a top five to 10 tackle in, in the game without a doubt. So I still think that, you know, it's good to see them making some type of effort to, to recoup some guys. Uh, I, we all know Gruden's kind of a vet type guy, and that's why they made the deal for Brown. But, you know, we'll see where that goes. Um, like I said earlier, Earl Thomas has not dro- uh, dropped yet, that that whole thing. I know the Raiders also got LaMarcus Joyner, the guy that the Rams cut. They paid him four years, $42 million, so a little about ten and a half a year. Um, so the Raiders have been spending cash, but I, I kind of thought that they would spend a little more and go after a guy like Bell because he's perfect for for Gruden's style of offense. So, um, going on to some other things here, there there's some decent players still on the market. One of those positions is not receiver. The receiver market this year, to be honest with you, has been terrible. Um, I think the top rated guy out there is Jordan. I mean, not Jordan. I'm sorry, uh, Golden Tate. Golden Tate is 30 years old. He was in Seattle his whole career, got traded, I think, to Philadelphia in the offseason. or De- I'm sorry, signed with Detroit after uh, Seattle and then got traded to Philly. Now, he's a good player, and he's a savvy vet, but if that's the top receiver on the market, you're just not going to see a lot of demand and movement. Um, so I think teams went into this knowing that. Lactavius Murray, uh, former Raider, former Viking, signed with the Saints for four years, $14 million. So I think... What that basically signals is Mark Ingram's time with the Saints is done. So what you're going to see now is probably Octavius Murray and Alvin Kamara sharing the ball there. I got to be honest. I think Mark Ingram's a a better running back than Murray, and I don't think it's close. Murray is a hard worker uh, and and a big guy and a stud when in the aspect that he doesn't really miss games and whatnot. He doesn't get hurt that often. He's durable, but he's not that good. And um, I think that Ingram has got a lot more quickness than people realize. He knows Sean Payton's offense, and he worked well with Breeze and Kamara, splitting carries and doing stuff. So 
I don't know. I, I kind of think, you know, when Murray's in there, you know what you're getting, right? It's called second and seven because he's getting you three yards, maybe less. So I, I'm, 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 I'm okay with them replacing Ingram in the aspect that you had to put a body in there. But if it were me, I would have tried to bring Ingram back, especially after he came back from suspension last year. You probably had a little bit more leverage to not give him a ton of money which I don't think he's going to get on the open market anyway. So, I, you know, the negotiations would have been a little difficult there or whatnot, but I would have tried to get it done. I've seen Cole Beasley sign with Buffalo for four years, $30 million. So that's about, you know, you're looking at probably $7 million a year. That's a little steep. Um, and I don't – I can see why Dallas probably didn't pay him that if they're, you know, pretty cap stra- uh, cash-strapped as well with the cap. But – Beasley meant a lot to their offense. He was Prescott's kind of safety valve the last few years, and he's a really hard-nosed, gritty player. He reminds me a little bit of someone like an Edelman or Amendola, not as as good as them, but a little short dude who's who's tough and can make catches in between linebackers and safeties and stuff, take the big hit, things like that. So, um, man, I'll tell you who's making some moves is the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, they signed three years, 39 million. So that's 13 million a year. Ah, man, I, I think the Browns are kind of what they're doing here is, and we're going to get to why with a huge story in a minute when I transition, but for sticking to the free agency and Richardson, 13 million a year for a guy like Richardson, who's got some talent, but has had a lot of off field issues and on the field hasn't performed to the level that he's probably been expected or could. Um, I kind of thought that it was a little bit overpaying for him. Um, he's a good player, like I said, but he's not, you know, 13 million a year. Is, you're giving money to that, to pro bowl, possible fringe, all pro type guys. Um, so I, I wasn't a huge fan of that. Adrian Amos to the Packers, uh, safety. So I think that, you know, they've let go of ha ha Clinton Dix and traded him to the Redskins last year. And they're replacing him with Amos, who's who's a decent player, but you know, I don't I don't know if um, it's that much of a of a difference maker. I was talking to my buddy Bob earlier today about this, and and the Packers for a change are spending some money. It's weird; they normally don't delve into the free agent pool. They usually just kind of stick to their drafts and end up trying to retain their own talent and bank on their scouting and whatnot. Um, but they've, they've been spending some cash. They gave Preston Smith an outside linebacker, uh, four years, 52 million. That was a head scratcher for me as well. So I don't know. I, to be honest, I don't know if, uh, their GM Gudikin and, uh, I think it's Brian Murphy's the other guy there. Yeah, those two guys seem to be a little bit in deep over their head somewhat. Um, I kind of, you know, to, I really was a head scratcher to me when they when they made the hire of Lafleur. I think it was. Um, you know, the Titans' offense sucked last year, uh, but then again, you could say that about the Niners' offense the year that uh, Mike McCarthy got lured away from them to sign with the Packers. So that's kind of a little bit, you know, can be overrated sometimes. But I I I personally don't like that signing. So. Man, it's a lot going on with those uh, with those free agents, and uh, they're going to keep on coming too. All right, let's get to the big news of the night, man. 
Um, wow. So the Giants, I've been saying, are not going to move Beckham. Why would you? You signed him to that big deal last year. You paid him already like $20 million of the money. He's like, I, I kept saying 24, but I guess he's 26 years old still. You have a 26-year-old, probably top five, for sure top 10 receiver in the game. When the guy plays, which he has missed a little bit of time, he is electric, okay? And not long after, I've been saying that the last couple of days, these guys just moved him to the Browns, okay? And they moved him to the Browns for, I think, the 17th pick. And then also, um, I think it was a third rounder and and then Jabril Peppers, who I'm biased towards because he, he's, a, he's a Wolverine. But Peppers isn't exactly, you know, Ronnie Lott out there. So he's a good, solid player. But uh, like I said the other day, man, the Giants are a mess. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, they're basically getting rid of everybody but Eli Manning, who's practically walking around with a cane right now. So I, I just, that whole thing is a head scratcher. It's like they're trying to get Barkley killed out there. You know, they want they're putting no talent around Barkley to give Barkley some help or Eli for that matter, when he's already at a disadvantage. Then again, you let go of Landon Collins. You traded Olivia Vernon to the Browns also. So the Browns, like I said in my last segment, they are loading up. They got Vernon in that deal. So now they have him and Miles Garrett on the edges. Um, they signed Sheldon Richardson to play the middle uh, defensive tackle along with with Miles Garrett and Vernon. And now uh, they're getting Odell Beckham Jr. to pair with Jarvis Landry, David Njoku. They already signed and took a chance on Kareem Hunt uh, about a you know a few weeks to a month ago. So they have him and they got Nick Chubb. So when you're talking about hype, the Browns are going to be it. All right. That's what you're going to hear all of summer after the draft, so on and so on. And they have, I think, a, multi- a multitude of picks in the draft again from all those deals they made uh, prior when they were stocking up picks. So. The Browns are going to be simply put loaded going into this season, and they're going to have high expectations. I'm already seeing everybody and their mother say that they're going to win the North. So let me go right now, okay, because this is an official show anyway. You can mark the tape. The Browns will not win the North. Now, I'll come back here and eat my crow if need me, but there's something about this team and the hype they're going to have. I feel like they're going to be in for a letdown. I think they have the talent. I love Baker Mayfield. I love all the players kind of in ads around him. There's no question the talent's going to be there. But I'm nervous about Kitchens, man. I don't know if he can coach. You know, you had familiarity in that locker room with a guy you kind of kept around, Greg Williams. I think Dorsey and Haslam, the owner, got cold feet and didn't want to give Greg Williams a job because of Bounty Gate. When, you know... um, Against the Niners in the 2011 playoffs, if people remember, Bounty Gate was basically Greg Williams on video and tape um, getting said that he's paying players to go out there and hit people in the head and give them concussions and whatnot. Uh, It was a huge ordeal. And to be totally honest with you, Greg Williams is a no-nonsense old-school defensive coordinator that basically took a bullet for every old coach in the league who says the same stuff to their defensive players, okay? He's not – Greg Williams isn't some – you know, um, exception, right? He's basically the rule, meaning all defensive coordinators used to do that and probably still do when the camera's not on him. 
okay? You know if you get a guy up top in the head, he gets a concussion, he's done for the game. And if it's someone else's offensive player that has a lot to do with their ability to score points, then it's kind of looked at as a smart way to do things. But Williams basically took the bullet for that whole deal and has suffered ever since. He got suspended, I think, for a year or two. The, they finally brought him back into the fold quietly. I believe Jeff Fisher did, I think, with the Rams. And um, he's been back in the league as a defensive coordinator ever since. That guy will always have a job as defensive coordinator because he's one of the guys who knows what he's doing. And to be honest with you, he had a head coaching gig a while back and flamed out in Buffalo. But I think he deserved the crack at it. Hugh Jackson was a total, terrible disaster um, while in Cleveland, his time there. I think the players couldn't stand him. They ended up firing Haley too. Williams took over. I think they won like six games or five, five games, something like that, under Williams out of like their last 10. Um, they were playing hard for him. Kitchens just started calling plays after Jackson and Haley got fired. So you're talking about a guy calling plays for like half a season and then you promote him to head coach? It just didn't make sense to me. And I, I think that that coupled with the fact that they're going to have these expectations is I think they're going to crack a little bit under the pressure. Um, I think they'll be right there in that mix. And I'm, I'm not going to be shocked if they win the North and I'll without a doubt eat my crow if they do, but I just don't see it. I, uh, for whatever reason, I'll stand on that Island if I need to. Um, but like I said, mark the tape on that one, baby. Cause, cause I I'm not seeing it. And I'm going to go ahead and say it, the Steelers or maybe even believe it or not, the Ravens, one of those two teams I say takes that division and not Cleveland. Let's head over to the NBA right now and uh, specifically Lakerland. Lakers record on March 12th, 2018, 30 and 36. Lakers record on March 12th, 2019, 30 and 36. I think this whole LeBron James thing is a way too early to write it off. It's only year one. But he's also, I think, 33 or 34 years old. And I don't think that um, his heart and and everything else is completely in this. I think he, he moved to Los Angeles for the reasons of entertainment and, and growing his brand beyond the game, which is totally fine. I just think that LeBron's probably a little bit tired too. You know, he he basically had the Heat and the Cavs on his back the past nine seasons, um, and he's also played GM the whole time. You know, LeBron is is a polarizing athlete and figure. You know, you either love him or hate him. Usually, there's not any gray area. Um, I am not the biggest LeBron fan, but I have a, a deep appreciation for the player that he is and what he's meant to the NBA and what he's done. But I think that again, like with some other guys in that league, they've given him too much control and power and going back to Cleveland after burning them and then winning in Miami and how desperate they were to get him back when, when he was even open to the idea of it, he really knew he had Dan Gilbert in his paw, um, just sitting there in his hand. He could kind of dictate and do whatever he wanted. And from that point going forward, he was basically the GM dictating who they signed, who they traded, everything like that. So I think coming to the Lakers, that was already kind of put into motion. Now, even if it's not him pulling the strings, it's 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 either, you know, his agent or Maverick Carter or whoever 
um, in his camp that's got Magic Johnson's ear was going to be part of his whole ordeal with the Lakers. Now, the problem with that is, man, is that you got young players on L.A., some of them really good, like Kyle Kuzma. I, I still like Lonzo Ball's chances of being a good player. He's just a really good facilitator, and he's not the best defender, but when he's out on the floor, the team seems to play better defense as well. And I think when you're sitting there rumoring to trade all these guys, including Kuzma and, uh, and a few of the other young guys, you know, what do you expect it to be like when you show up to work the next Monday? You know what I mean? They're, you they, they know you're over there saying what's up to them or whatever and, and, and smiling at them when you want to move them because you're trying to get Anthony Davis or whatever else the hell is going on. So you're not going to be able to keep the type of team chemistry you'd like um, if guys are actively being shopped and it's at your request. So Lakers are a, are a bit of a mess right now, and they got to kind of figure out what direction they're going to go in. Uh, some people would, would actually say I'm absolutely nuts for saying this, but I think they should actually consider trading James. If it's something where um, they think he's going to be in his mid thirties, he's not going to be at the pinnacle anymore. He, if he, if they think he's kind of checked out a little bit mentally, um, I don't know if it's something they actually might actually consider doing. Cause if you trade for Davis, that's one thing. Then you have another complete top five player in the league and a cornerstone to build around again. So that's kind of a different story. But if you're not going to get Davis, I'm not moving Kuzma or a few of those other guys, unless it's for a major piece that I can pair with LeBron and I'm going to compete for a title. And if that's not going to be the case, I would even consider moving LeBron unless he has some type of no trade clause. And I would add to Ball and Kuzma and some of these other guys there. Because 30 and 36 with LeBron James on your roster and you have Kyle Kuzma and Ball and a few other guys – Rondo's still serviceable. He's not great, but they should not be a sub 500 team. And so I, I think that, you know, year one of, of the LeBron James Laker experiment is a failure without question. I thought they would make the playoffs. I thought it would be a struggle. And I actually got laughed at when I said that they would probably get in, but it, I think it would be, it would, it was not a given. So you're not in the East anymore. You know, the West is tough and there's not a lot of, um, top heaviness out, outside of the Warriors, kind of even with Houston a little bit down this year. And I think Denver's good, but a little bit of a facade. But I think the West is still stacked, and you have a lot of tough, good teams. I mean, I don't even think the Kings are going to get in, and look at all the young talent they got. So when you think about that, you know, look at all the teams out there with Harden um, on Houston and and the, a few of the other guys. They're not going to really go away. I think there, there's a bunch of teams the Clippers have gotten better. I don't know who they're going to get in the offseason, but if they get Kawhi Leonard, um, it's just not going to be show up and you make the playoffs in the West. And James is kind of learning that the hard way. Not that he thought it would probably be easy, but he should have just stuck with Kuzma and those guys and said, these are my guys, this is our team. And then Magic can go out and maybe sign a few free agents. The Lakers, I've always said, are the biggest and best attraction for free agency in the NBA, period. It's not even close. They have history. They have 16 titles. They have some of the greatest players to ever play the game. When you talk about Kobe, Shaq, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain, those five guys are on most people's top 10 players ever list. Okay? Top 10 players ever to play in the game, and the Lakers got five of them. 
So Shaq went there uh, probably for a less max contract at the time or whatever it was on his own. Okay. They drafted Kobe, which is just dumb of the Hornets to even let go of that. But anyway, I've always said that and will maintain it. The Lakers will always have the ability to sign and lure big name free agents. Guys making that kind of money. They like that star studded life as well. You got Jack Nicholson and all these people, Beyonce and Jay-Z, whoever showing up to Staples Center, sitting courtside. It's a big deal over there. You know, the, the Lakers are a big deal in L.A., which is a town that could give two craps about sports. So I, I've just always said that they'll always have the ability to, to bring talent in. And I think they would have been better off with LeBron James showing up, being the player, not letting him be the GM like Magic's kind of done. And keeping your core with Kuzma and Ball and a few of the others, then you try to land a Kawhi Leonard or someone else. Then, boom, you're right in the possible title mix. You get another stud like that. But I don't know. It's a mess right now because of them letting him dictate that. And it's going to be an interesting offseason to see what comes of this. All right, guys, uh, I'm going to wrap this up. And um, I could have, you know, there's a lot more to get to probably later on in the week or early next week. I'm going to probably start doing the pod once a week now, um, maybe on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. I haven't fully decided yet. And I wanted to let you know, if you guys ever want to hit me on Instagram or Twitter and ask uh, for any topics for the show or any questions, it's at uh, 49ERKID23. So that's at 49ERKID23. And you can hit me at Twitter or Instagram with either one of those handles. And uh, I'll bring the topic up or question on the show or anything like that. All right. You guys have a good rest of the week. Take care.